To new RFM 103.7 Gardening Talkback is what we're doing. My name's Phil Bates. I'm here with you through to four, with us through till half past one and only half past one. So you have to get all your questions in before then. David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery. G'day, David. Hello, Phil, and good afternoon, everyone. And uh, David, as we said, is here to answer all of your questions. I'll give you the number straight away, 49216216. Any questions at all? about your garden and uh, David we've certainly been having a few seasons <laughs> the last couple of days. We sure have I mean goodness me we had um, we were thrown right into summer on Saturday. Weren't we just? Yes and yep. it cooled down a little bit yesterday and then this morning we're sort of gone back to winter temperatures again. So. Yeah although early on it was, it was warm. It beautiful I, yes. I got dressed to come in here I put yep. a t-shirt on just before I left home the subtly blew up <laughs> so I, I chucked on a shirt and a jumper. Yeah, yeah it's really really <laughs> weird. And I think the plants are having a bit of a trouble, trouble coat yeah, well, I mean, too. I mean, certainly when it's just one or two days that are fluctuating like this, but I mean, we've we've been doing this for about a week now, yeah, so it's yeah. really quite strange. But. And uh, I mean, they're saying scattered showers, but mm-hmm. and and it rained a couple of places between my my place yes, and here. We want rain. We don't scatter yeah, showers. Yeah, we we want good yeah. soaking rain that'll get right down into the subsoil. I mean, because we? all yeah. the grass and everything's looking a little bit. Um, Tired oh at the yeah! Moment. When you drive along the streets, the yeah. the median strips, the verges—they're they're all, all they looked like they'd they'd crinkle and yes, crunch when you yes. when you walked on them. Um, I'm managing to keep my lawn alive, but but I don't water it very often, and I think that gets the roots right oh, yeah, down, okay. and and maybe it's finding water. Yeah, that's my theory anyway. <laughs> Wish I could say the same for the plants in yes, the pots. Pots yes. seem to struggle they very do. much, don't they? They do. You've really got to keep a very close eye on those because, I mean, the more you let them dry out, the more stressed they become yep. and the yep. more yellow leaves that I find that people are bringing in to me nearly every day. Is that right? Of yellow leaves, yes, and that's right. basically because of the stress of the, of the weather uh, that we're getting. Okay. Well, um, David's here to answer all of your questions, whether they're about the heat, whether they're about the cold, whether they're about the wind, whatever they're about, David's got the answers. 49216216 is our number. It looks like all the lines have been taken up already, so you probably need to jot that down on a piece of paper and keep it close to the radio and the phone and the cup of coffee as you uh, join us on Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. David, you've got some wonderful things to give away, mm-hmm. and of course you're giving people the chance to pick up that voucher for, yes. from um, the nursery and the cafe. That's right, yes. Um, all you need to do is give your details to Diane when you ring up with your question today. We'll draw the winner for these wonderful things that David's giving away and that I'll get him to talk about later on um, in the program. And, um, well, he gives them away at the end of the program, actually, is what I should have said. But Don't we'll give talk- too many things away. That's such a Yeah, they're, oh, they're, you're just giving things yeah. away left, right and centre, David. You're, you're just too, too generous. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, we'll tell you about the, uh, the plans and the other things that David's giving away to uh, today's winner right after um, we hear some important announcements. And uh, we'll be back with more on Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM right after this. And, uh, David, as usual, you've brought in some wonderful things. I particularly like the combination of colours on that little plant you've got over mm, there. Mm. The, that really Isn't it deep? deep red yep. and the lovely green foliage. Yes. Tell us all about that okay. and the other things you're giving away. All right. Well, Phil's given half of it away. So I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> it does have the most beautiful red flowers and the green foliage. We're just referring to the verbena. Now, the verbena... Oh, is that verbena? Yeah, here it oh, is. Right. It's the ground cover verbena. Now, there are many, many colours that actually fit into this range, but this is actually, as we said, the red one. And it really does stand out, particularly when you've got a, a mass of it on the ground. Great for good sunny spots in the garden, nice well-drained soil as well, and they do beautifully. Look, they'll flower from spring right through summer and into autumn. Probably the only time they wouldn't flower very much is during the winter time, but I'm sure if you had it in a good sunny spot, it would still continue to go right through as well. Not only that, I'm giving away another one of the backyard harvest packs, which consists of uh, a packet of the seed raising mixture, the seed, the container to grow them into, and some culture notes on that as well. And as well as that, I'm giving away a box of the tomato plant food, which I will be doing for probably quite a while at the moment. This is the soluble one that you dilute down, water over your uh, tomato plants, and of course this makes your tomatoes bigger and better. And there's a few other sachets of things in that bag as well, Phil. It's a huge bag, It David. is, yes. Yep. Okay, you need to be listening at the end of the program if you're amongst today's callers to see whether you're the person David's chosen entirely at random uh, to be the winner of those lovely things. With the time at 20 minutes past 12, David, shall we get started okay, with some calls? Let's say hello to Roger. Roger's from Edgeworth. Hello, Roger. Hey, David, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I've got a white bird of paradise mm. in about a 14-inch pot, and I want to repot it. When's the best time to repot it? You would probably be best to do that now because, I mean, it probably is just starting to show signs of growth for this season, so it would be good to get that out of the pot, get it into a new pot, uh, of course, fill in around it with some really good potting mixture, uh, and that should take off very, very quickly for you. It hasn't flowered yet. We've only had it about uh, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Is there any extended time that it should flower or...? Well, no, not normally. Normally with Bird of Paradise, the plant has to get to a reasonable size before it does start to flower. But I'm sure you'll probably find once you put it into this new pot and you get some good potting mixture around it, which will have a fertiliser and other moisture retainers in it as well, I'm sure that would encourage it on to flowering season. Make sure, of course, it's in a really, really good sunny spot because they do appreciate the sun and the heat. The reason I ask about the flowering is that when we purchased it, person at the nursery said that the white one won't flower in a pot. Okay, well it should as long as you've got room for the root system to expand in, you'll find once it becomes very restricted it may slow down in, in flowering. And now some of the roots are popping out of the top of the pot. Which do it I will turn do. those roots off? Uh, you don't have to cut them off because once you put it into your new pot you'll cover those up with the fresh soil that you're going to put around it. Okay. Thank you very much indeed, David. You're welcome, Roger. Bye-bye now. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Roger. We go to Stockton next, and uh, John is on the line. Hello, John. Oh, thanks for taking the call, David. That's all right. Just a quick, a quick question. Eradication of onion grass. Yes. Please. Okay, well, there's a few different things that we've heard over the last weeks of getting rid of onion weed. The only one that I have is to be using a product called glyphosate or Roundup or Zero. They all come under the same umbrella these days. Uh, so the main thing is to actually use it on the young foliage of the onion weed. So if you can get rid of all the adult foliage and then if it's in just a patch in the garden, you can spray it with the glyphosate. Otherwise, if it's in the lawn, it's actually got to be painted onto the young foliage. Now, John, unfortunate, unfortunately, it's not a one-off thing. You may have to do it two or three times to actually get that product down into the actual bulb underneath. Try not to disturb the bulb because the moment you do that, you will disperse all these little tiny bulbs and you'll end up with a much bigger problem. 
Jenny Bernie, thanks very much. You're welcome, John. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you, John. That seems to be a recurring theme, doesn't it, David? Every week we yeah. have an onion weed We um, certainly question. do, and it's a shame because it's so hard to eradicate. Yes. Okay, 49216216 is the number. Lines are free if you'd like to join us. Um, we freed up a couple of lines there for you as we say hello now to Beverly from Mayfield. Hello, Beverly. Hello, David. Um, David, I have two major problems. Mm-hmm. My kumquat tree, which is in a pot, it has, uh, and uh, my rosemary... Now, the kumquat tree looks like it's um, turning up its toes or its roots. Leaves, uh, not many leaves, and the leaves uh, that were there have um, gone brittle and died. Mm-hmm. Um, it has had enough water. And um, the other one is the rosemary, which I moved from the ground around um, a week ago. It wasn't a terribly hot day, but it, w- it was about... Oh, about 18 inches tall, I suppose, put it into a large pot with new potting mix, etc. And um, it looks like it's going as well. Okay. Mm. All right. I think possibly what we need to do with both of those, Bev, is just to trim them back very lightly. So, therefore, trim the kumquat back lightly and also trim the rosemary. Because the rosemary has been moved, the root system has been damaged, so, therefore, you've got to compensate for that by trimming it back just on the very top. I think then I think possibly we need to try and stimulate the roots and if you've got any sea salt at home it would be wise to probably water some of that around mm. it to try and stimulate the roots. I was uh, thinking about stress guard, is that? Stress guard's fine but it's mostly used for the foliage part of the plant. Uh-huh. When you're moving it it's not actually going to do anything as far as the root system goes. Mm. So this is why we've got to go to the sea salt because it's once you've watered that into the soil it'll stimulate the roots to want to grow again and you just water that down into the soil yeah. and you mm-hmm. do that about three or four times at, tw- at um, two-week intervals. Uh, about to- two weeks. See, you think that there's um, possibility that the kumquat may It's come possibility, good. but I mean, I, I don't like the sound of it when it's lost all its foliage, but certainly the... Some, yes, it's going a bit twiggy yes. too, you know. Sometimes you'll Suddenly. find once this has been pruned back and you perhaps just throw a little bit of organic fertiliser yeah. around it, mm. it may shoot away again nicely for you once we get into some more decent weather. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> Thanks. Thank all right, you, then. You're welcome. Thank bye you, bye. Thank you very much, Beverly. Um, let's see, we go to Abermain next and uh, we say hello to Gail. Hello, Gail. Hello, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. That's good. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. My husband is going on a reed diet, which right. is all vegetable juice. Yes. And green is the best for him to have. Mm-hmm. Right now, <laughs> I've got stuff planted in the garden, but how do you get it to really burst forth and make fruit and stuff? Well, the only way the only way you're going to do that, Gail, is if you keep first of all keep the water up to them, because the more times you put things like vegetables under stress, the slower they become. So you've got to keep the water up to them, and at the same time, you've got to fertilise them fairly regularly. Now, particularly for leaf vegetables, one of the best things to use is just a, a liquid fertiliser, so one that you dilute down and you literally water over the vegetables. Now, you can water this over the vegetable foliage as well as put it into the ground, because one 
once it's on the foliage, it injects itself into the foliage and works through the foliage at the same time. So any of these, like Flourish or any of your potash-based ones, these are all very, very good to dilute down and water around them. And you do that every couple of weeks religiously because it just keeps pushing the growth into things and keeps them moving, particularly this sort of season when we're into the summer season. It should promote things very, very fast. So they're the two main things, as well as that just a good, complete pelleted manure. When you plant your things, you throw a good pellet manure around because that in time breaks down over a period of six to eight weeks as well. So as I said, the most important thing is the water and the liquid fertiliser to be done every couple of weeks. All right. Now, have you heard of kale? Yes. Do you know anyone that successfully grows it? Yes, well, we mostly see kale during the autumn and winter months because it is a winter vegetable. Uh, we, We now carry the Tuscan kale, which is very, very popular, but you would only get that from autumn going into the winter months. You wouldn't necessarily get it at this time of the year because it belongs to the cabbage broccoli family around all those sorts of things. Oh, okay. All right. So it, it couldn't be fake grown if it was in shaded sort well, of... You, you probably wouldn't get it at this time of the year because it basically yeah. comes in a little plant or seedling and then you yeah. plant it out. You could plant seeds, but even those, they probably wouldn't come up this time of the year. You could certainly try them, um, but, but normally it's a winter vegetable. All right. All right. Okay, then. Thanks, Gail. Thanks okay. You're right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, sounds like um, Gail's on a bit of a learning curve mm. there, David, but doing a good thing, I think, that um, helping her husband yep. get healthy there. Um, <clears throat> Dennis is next. Dennis is from Belmont North. Hello, Dennis. G'day, David. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Um, I've got a, a staghorn or an elkhorn, I'm not sure which they are, and there's some sort of critter living in there, <laughs> uh, like a worm or whatever. I can see where it's popping its head out. They come out to the end of the... Um, leaves, whatever they're mm-hmm. called, um, they gnaw off a bit, and then they take it back to the the base of the plant and chew it up. Yes, they're um, very clever creatures, aren't they? No, <laughs> I don't know how to kill the blighters. All right. Look, it's a very common thing for stags or elks to actually get this little... Sometimes it's a grub and sometimes it's a beetle. More so the grub, the ones that are actually collecting the foliage. So basically a good simple thing, Dennis, is this. If you, if you just get any general insecticides that have caterpillars listed on them, you just mix that up according to directions and then you just water that through the actual stag or elk, making sure that it's been uh, moistened beforehand because the chemical goes through a lot easier. So water it first, and then you just pour the uh, chemical through. Once you've diluted it down with water, you just pour that through, and that should kill the grubs inside the actual stag for you. What was the name of it again, David? Well, it's just any general insecticide that's got a caterpillar listed. So there's quite a few. So you may even have have some in your collection. So just anything that's got a caterpillar listed, you just dilute that down and water it through your stag, and that should get rid of it for you. Good, thanks. And before I go, um, uh, a couple of months ago I was talking to you about a cherry tree. Yes. And where you told me to pour ice and stuff over it. Oh, yes, yes. Well, I've done that, and I've got a lot of fruit coming on it. Good. Um, 
can I fertilise it now? Does it need fertilising? Well, normally we'd fertilise these sorts of trees in the later part of winter before spring, before they shoot away. So just be very careful putting it on, particularly now that you've got fruit. I would would let it go through its cycle. You could just try some liquid fertiliser, you know, one that you dilute down and water that around it. Uh, But that's a very good result. I know that I had a cherry brought in to me while I was at my desk this morning that actually came off our cherries that we've got in the nursery. So that just goes to show that um, you know, they do crop at a very young age and particularly the self-pollinating ones that are probably more suited to this area. Gee, that's neat. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, David, thanks right. very much. Mate. Thanks, Dennis. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you very much, Dennis. Did you eat the cherry? I did, and it was beautiful. It was, nice, it was so sweet. Yes, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I mean, admittingly, these trees were from Melbourne, so perhaps they were still acclimatising oh, to the they area. Might have, might have got a start yes. in the colder weather. And so, yeah. yeah, that was really nice. It oh, actually gee. bared quite a few, so a few of the staff got a cherry each. So. <laughs> right about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Yes. <clears throat> Puts my tomatoes to shame. <laughs> 29 <laughs> minutes to one on Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. David Peterson from Walls End community nursery um let's go straight back to the calls david much more pleasant to talk to people about gardens than to talk about weather at the moment and tanya from bolton point is on the line hello tanya hi how are you good thank you um i just had a question i think the previous caller was uh, asking about fruit i basically i've got a mango tree um we bought this house just over a year ago and um i've i've you know mulched around the bottom and i fertilized it before the fruit started to appear um, so now it's just starting to fruit, and I want to know how I can keep that fruit in the best condition. Do I need to look out for um, fruit flies or anything like that? No, fruit fry don't seem to worry mangoes as much as other things. The only thing that often attacks um, mangoes is a fungal disease. Normally, when right, they're in, okay, normally yeah. when it's in flower, we often suggest to spray it with a product called mancozeb. And even periodically through the fruiting season, once you've got fruit on, every three or four weeks, it's probably wise to just give them another spray with this product as well, which is mancozeb, because it stops the black spotting on the fruit. And right. That, oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm that is that a, a fungal disease. So you can prevent that from happening. Okay. So it's mancozeb. Mancozeb. That's right. Yes. Okay. Which fine. is readily available. So as I said, you just spray that on periodically, just so that we prevent this fungal disease from getting onto them. Okay. All right. Four weeks. And um, and do I need to refertilise it as as the season goes? Or? Well, normally we fertilise those once again in late winter, early spring before the flowers actually come on. Sometimes when you fertilise when it's in fruit, it can sometimes be a little bit of a shock to it. So a little bit of fertiliser would be fine, but certainly not to the required uh, amount that it suggests on the packet, just in case you may do some damage. Okay, and so where do I exactly where do I spray the mancozeb? Did you say on you, the leaves? You spray the mancozeb onto the fruit because we're actually trying to protect the fruit against okay. the black spot. So yes, just onto the fruit. Okay, excellent. Thanks right. a lot, Dave. Thanks, Bye. Tanya. Bye bye. Thank you, Tanya. Joan from Curry Curry is next up. David. Hello, Joan. Hello, love. Barry brings you up most of the time. Mm-hmm. He's not well at the moment. Okay. But you gave him advice on our jacaranda. Right. And it did come back to life. Very good. Thank you. Yep. But I've got a, a question. I, um, I, um, went to Roger's store about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I brought all these things for my garden, you know, like lime and potash and everything else. And the guy in the Roger's store 
got me to buy some yellow sofa. Right. But I forgot what he told me to <laughs> <laughs> get All right. You know, all I know about sofa, when your dog's sick, you give them white sofa and they vomit. Oh, okay, right. You know, <laughs> but, but this was for my garden, David. Yes, yes. And it's question. No, it's not, because, I mean, look, I, I guarantee that a lot of people wouldn't know what you use sulfur for, because it's not something that I suggest very often. But basically what it's used for, Jane, is that when the pH of the soil, you probably heard that term mentioned before, yeah, this pH. is, is too, too sweet. So our pH is very high, and we want to reduce it down. We use sulfur. But as I said, that's why I don't suggest it very often, because that's, that's all it's used for. It's to actually reduce the alkalinity of the soil back down to what it should be if it is a little bit too high. But it's a very, very slow process. I mean, look, you may not even have the problem occurring, and you wouldn't know unless you got your soil tested whether it was too alkaline or not. But if you've got everything growing successfully, you wouldn't probably need to worry about the sulphur. So I think I'd probably just pop that in the back of the cupboard until you may have a problem with your, your, your soil pH. Now, does oh. that make any sense, Joan? Well, that's where it's been for <laughs> roughly 20 years, David. Right. Um, because I, I thought, now, what did you tell me to use that on? Yeah. And I forgot. I yes. should have wrote it down. No, I'm, well, as I'm I said, old, David. Yes, I'm well, old. well, look, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly I don't, su don't suggest it too often. So, as I said, that's probably one of those things you could probably just pop in the back of the cupboard and just um, until somebody mentions, oh, you've got to use sulphur, at least you'll have it there for when it's ready. Yeah, <laughs> and and so the best way to do that is get your soil, soil tested. Test. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Once you know your soil pH, well, then we'll, I'd be able to tell you whether it's too high or too low. Yeah, and how do I do that, David? You just take it. Sometimes most garden centres will just test your soil for you and give you a pH reading. Yeah. And then, what do I do? Do I, do I come in and just ask for a soil test? Yeah, that's right. You just get a sample of soil from out of the garden in a few different spots and mix all that together. And yeah. then you just bring it into what your, I don't know whether your local nursery will do it. Uh, and they just test the soil for you and then you'll get a pH reading. It's yeah. very simple. Think, I think that's what we were talking about. I mean, it's four years ago, David, not right. over 70 now. Yes. Right? And I thought, did he tell me to put that on the yes. citrus? Yes. As I said, I wouldn't worry about it at all, Jane, until you actually uh, get your soil tested. So, yeah. all right? Get the soil tested first. Yeah, if you, if you feel you need to. David, you, you gave us good advice over the years. Thank you. And, and I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You know, but... I was up in the garage. Oh, David, while I'm here, yes. um, now I've got some grass cuttings. What do I put on that to break it down? Is it lime? Well, look, you can, you can add lime if you wanted to, but the best thing in the world for breaking grass clippings down is turning it constantly. So you can turn it nearly every second day, just turn it and get the air into it, and you'll yeah. find that in itself will help break the grass down. But yeah. even, even if you put them on, onto the garden, nice thin layers, it will mm. break down on the garden as well. Just by turning it. That's right. Just by turning it, that'll get the air into it and that'll help break it down. So what's lime used for? Lime is used to sweeten the soils. We must leave it there, Jane, because we've got a lot of people waiting. Okay, love, and I thank you very much. My pleasure, Jane. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, David. Thank you, Jane.
Yeah, some of those chemicals can be confusing. Yeah, they can, can be, be, yes. Okay, let's pop down to Caves Beach now and talk to Scott. Hello, Scott. How's it going, David? Good, Good mate. Thank you. Mate, I've just got one question, mate. I've got a white seated tree. It's, uh, it's a medium-sized one, not a massive one. It's, it's starting to flower now, and I think it's getting very close to that time where the hairy grub comes out that yes. lives underneath it. Mm-hmm. Mate, I, I just don't think I could put up with another year of them without chopping the tree down. I love the tree, and the black cockatoos come over, and they gnaw on the, gnaw on the uh, limbs yes. and that. Uh, have you got any ideas or any of your listeners? I did hear a story where you could put wet hessian bags around it. Yes, sometimes sometimes people do that. They just put wet hessian bags around the base but so, because sometimes most of these grubs come from the ground and then others are actually laid within the actual foliage. You can inject the tree with a, a chemical, but unfortunately this has to be done, you know, several months prior to that so that it gets through the system of the tree and when the um, grubs start eating the foliage, they eat the chemical. But it's too late to do that now because the grubs will start to hatch very soon with all the mild weather that we've had. But certainly you could try the hessian bag around the base. Even I've heard of um, uh, smearing some really thick Vaseline around the base of the tree just in one circle. And, of course, once they hit the Vaseline, they can't go any further. So you could try that. Look, white cedars are notorious for the grubs. Unfortunately, they're a tree that's not grown much these days because of that reason. Uh, people are just deciding not to grow them. I mean, I certainly don't sell them, have not sold them for many, many years. It's just that they grow so quickly. Um, but, yeah, that's the only problem. They just get attacked by these grubs, and they're not just a hundred. There's several hundreds of them that are on the one tree. So. Yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're south of them, mate. They fill up the They let out me and they just look at me and say, we're not going nowhere near them, and they sting you too, you know? Yes, what? that's right, yes. So that's <laughs> you, could, you could try the Vaseline or the Hessian bag around the base and see how that goes this year. Chainsaw, yeah, well, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. No worries. Thanks for that, mate. Thank bye. you very much. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, chainsaw, the ultimate solution, yeah, I think. a dreadful yeah. thing, these, yeah, that, these grubs. Goodness me. Brought back memories of uh, my wife Lucy running around our white cedar tree when we used to have our garden in New Lantern with, with a shoe just thumping oh, yes, yes. great masses of, yes. of hairy caterpillars. And we tried the bag, we tried the Vaseline, we, we tried know, spraying. Just, just mentioning that, Phil, last night I, I went to bed and I kept hearing this banging on my roof. Yep. And I got up and because there's a lamppost just outside my, um, my house, all the road was covered in crickets. Oh. And it was the crickets that were actually, I don't know what, they, what was happening, whether they were flying and they were landing on my roof. But I thought yeah. it was rain at first, and I had to actually go out to see what it was. And it was crickets. There were crickets everywhere, all over the the pavement. Wow. Um, yeah, it was black with them. So I don't know whether there was a swarm of them or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It was yeah. really quite weird. Or whether they were just at your place. Oh, no, 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 they weren't just at my <laughs> <laughs> they are underneath the lamppost. Yeah, yeah. But attracted they were just, by the light. Yeah, yeah. with just yeah. hundreds of them. It was just right. amazing. Yeah, insects. What yes. can you do? Um, next on the line, David, at uh, 17 minutes to one, Alan from Madawi. Hello, Alan. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I'm also having a battle with mole crickets, yes. what I've had trouble with. Mm. I've been using, oh, I bought a 500ml tin of um, Baythroid. Yes. 
and they seem to be dancing around with us. All right, now, let me just go through the procedure that you should be, how you should be using the bathroid, because I think a lot of people are just tending to spray it on the lawn. Uh, this won't work at all with crickets, because unfortunately the mole crickets, they bury themselves down very, very deep in the soil. Secondly, you would never use it during the, the lighter part of the day. You would need to use it after the sun has gone down and even on dark because basically the crickets are making their way to the surface and the only way you can apply the bathroid is through a watering can because you've got to get it down into the soil. So therefore you moisten the grass first. You can do that during the day. And then on evening you just go out and you start diluting the product and watering that onto the soil. Now you don't need to saturate the ground because the ground is already moist the chemical will go down into the soil fairly easily but you've really got to do it on dark so they're making their way to the surface as I said by spraying the product uh, it's not going to work at all and perhaps that's what you may have been doing and why you haven't had any results from yeah I've been walking around with a um pressure spray sticking them down yeah. holes. Yes, no. Well, as I say, you've got to really water the product in with a watering can so you get it down into the soil. And as I said, secondly, you've got to water the lawn prior to that so that the ground is fairly moist. And then, then it will work more effectively. Okay, the, um, I was told kerosene might help with a teaspoon or a tablespoon of that in it. Well, thing. perhaps so, but remembering with kerosene, it's going to also kill the ground, so you're going to have oh, problems right. with the grass. So okay, I would certainly that, yeah. not suggest that. Just use the bathroid on its own, but in a watering can. There's no other product, just the bathroid? There's bathroid and penside is the other one that's often suggested for, for um, the mole crickets. Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. Right, Bye-bye now. Back with your calls on Gardening Talk, back at 12 minutes to 1, and on the line, David, we've got Vicky from Abaglasson. Hello, Vicky. Hello, David. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I've got a question. I've got a grafted eucalyptus flowering tree. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful... It, it flowers in summer. It's an apricot dawn, it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's about na- uh, two, three, nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay, last year it, it tries to prune it after it flowered, and I have pruned it. I don't know if I pruned a little bit too much, but this year it just looks very poor to me. Okay. Well, look, I mean, I think everything looks a little bit poor this year because we're in such a dry condition at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think basically what you could do, Vicky, is just um, pop a little bit of uh, just organic fertiliser around it, first of okay. all. You can spike around it first before you do that, just with your garden fork, so okay. you create holes down around the root system. Right. And then just use your organic fertiliser. And I think once you've done that, you'll probably find that will perk it into uh, to leaf again or some more growth. I mean, everything's a little bit confused, I think, at the moment because of these up and down conditions that we're yeah. having. I mean, I know I've got, I pruned my standard ficus at home that I've got in pots. And of course, they sat there for weeks and I think, oh dear, have I killed them? But then all of a sudden we get these really, really warm days and I can start to see it shooting out. And I think it's the same with things that are in the garden. It just takes, yeah. you know, a fairly constant um, temperature wise each day to actually bring bring them back to life. But I think, as I said, for you, I think you really probably need to just get some fertiliser around them as well. Will that be uh, like organic yeah. dynamic lifter? That's right. Anything yeah. that's, that's marked organic fertiliser, even if it's right. just some blood and bone, you could pop that around okay. and that will certainly uh, start to work. Now, remembering yeah. also when you apply these fertilisers, sometimes it takes 
two or three weeks for it to actually start working on mm-hmm. the plant as well. Yeah, because I've noticed it was shooting out uh, little shoots, but then then they got very dry. Yes, yes. <coughs> so the thi- is, sorry. Yeah. The, so the thing is also in, in mm-hmm. saying that you really got to keep the water up to these okay. sorts of things as well, and particularly when we add fertilizer because that keeps activating mm-hmm. the product to work. Yeah. Because it says on on a on a pamphlet here, it says not to overwater it because yes. it can get waterlogged. It may be so, but mm-hmm. my goodness, we're we're very very dry and very very dry situations mm-hmm. at the moment. So mm-hmm. I really think we still need to concentrate a little bit more. Okay, and another thing, I put potatoes in in my vegetable garden. I love growing potatoes because they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And this year, I mean, the, the foliage looked absolutely gorgeous, green and and healthy. I had no flowers on them. Okay. But or, the potatoes, the potatoes underneath, because I pulled oh, one okay. bush. Wow. I, I pulled one, <clears throat> one bush out and I said, well, I've got to be, te- I've got to test it because it just, it got a better of me. Yes. And it's beautiful big potatoes underneath. But had no flowers on it. And no flowers. Oh, well, that's, that's very the first unusual. time I've grown potatoes that had no flowers. Yes. Well, as long as you've got a crop out of them, Vicky, that's yeah. the most important thing. So. But yeah. now that's very unusual because uh, that's the indicator, isn't it? When we have potatoes, that when they're finished flowering, well, that's the time to start digging them. So. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Unless, unless the birds have... Um, Yes. You know, eating them off. Yes, quite because possible. I do have a lot of birds in my yard, right. especially those minor birds and kookaburras yes. uh, yes. and, and, and the and the uh, magpies. So yes. unless they're eating them off, you know. Well, it's just as well that you did check, Vicky, to make yes. sure that they were there then. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, I was quite surprised. <laughs> beautiful potatoes. All right then, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and another thing, um, I quickly, uh, um, on your program, I. You were saying something about tomatoes, and I didn't quite catch it because I just come into the room. Right. Was that yeah. today, Vicky? Yeah, today, yes. Yes. Well, I think Phil just made a comment about his tomato. But after the um, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock news, I'll probably go through the recipes for the fruit fly spray, which is something you really probably need to um, keep mm-hmm. listening for because the fruit fly will get into the tomatoes very, yes. very quickly this year. Yeah, well, I do spray them with pyrethium. Oh, very good. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, I, I have a couple of other, other recipes that I'll give after the one o'clock news on, okay. on uh, fruit fly sprays okay. as well. That'll be great. Okay, Vicky. Thank you very Thank much you. for your help. You're bye welcome. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your show. Again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Vicky. Talking about the weather there, David, reminded we haven't done the weather update for the rest of the, the week. Uh, for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group Maitland for Subaru, Volkswagen, Honda, and Isuzu Ute. Well, maybe a thunderstorm about uh, this evening, um, scattered showers likely near the coast, but that's about all um, we can hope for today in the way of rain, I think. For tomorrow, some isolated showers about the lower hunter in the morning, patches of light morning frost about the upper hunter, wow. my goodness, <laughs> and patchy morning fog about the lower hunter, mostly sunny afternoon. Overnight, down to between 4 and 9, and daytime temperatures between 19 and 23. For Wednesday, sunny with light winds, and once again for Thursday, sunny with light winds. So uh, any rain that we're going to get, I think, will be over the next two mm. days, David. So Showers. we'll keep, keep our fingers crossed that we're under a shower. Might be <laughs> the only way to go. Okay, let's get back to the calls, and uh, Susan from Taro is on the line. Hello, Susan. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. There was a chap on talking about the white cedar tree that yes. grows on it. The only way that I could get rid of them, because we had two beautiful trees, and the only way I could get rid of them was um, washing up liquid and water. Right. 
spray it on them, and it killed them stone dead. You mean you sprayed it on the tree? Was it Susan? Or? On the on the grubs. Oh, okay. But you had to. But they were on the tree, or oh yeah, there yes, were thousands, yes, yes. millions of yes, them. Yes, <laughs> they're terrible they things. Terrible. But that was the only way I could get rid of them, right. and it just killed them, and they were in a great big heap. Yes, so, and it was quite easy and inexpensive. Yes. As well. All right. Well, that's great. Thank so, you very much. Okay. Thanks, David. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a helpful tip there from, uh, from Susan. Because I think when, uh, from what I remember, when I used to try to spray them, getting the spray into the hairy sort yes, of body of it. So yes. I imagine the washing up detergent would, a good um, sticker, yes, would, would help yes. get, get that in. That, that's a great idea. Okay. Um, we say hello now to Liz from Ashtonfield. Hello, Liz. Hi, mate. Only short and sweet. Yes. My orange tree, I'll have to admit, I've been a naughty girl. I know other people have had problems with stinky <laughs> bugs. This year is my first year experience it after 20 years of a beautiful orange tree. But I've got stinky bugs. I know, and look, they're really early this year, I've noticed. And they're bright orange. Yes, and I've had various people, even over the weekend, that have had them already. And I mean, I think that's really early, because normally they don't come to around Christmas. Now, there is a product that I know of, and it's actually called Confidor or Conquer. Now, these two products are basically the same, but you can actually spray either one of these, and that actually has it listed on the label as getting rid of these shield bugs. So we've got to get in and spray them because if we don't, uh, they will deform the plant really, really badly. And, of course, with the shield bugs, you've got to be extra careful because they will spit at you, and that mm -hmm. spit that they do spit is a, a sort of acid-like. So be very, very careful you don't get it in your eyes. I certainly would never suggest to aggravate them. I would only suggest that you just spray the product onto the tree to try and get rid of them as quickly as possible. Is that sort of like that? spray stuff that you can use like on your bindi spray sort of thing like in that atomizer thing as long as you've got some form of sprayer tree, yes as, a, as long as you've got something to spray them onto the tree with that's the most uh -huh. important thing yes and um just to finish it off i hope one of your special recipes is the pineapple and water it is it is 40. So i'm 100 percent converted i believe in it very so good go <laughs> for it excellent all right well i'll give that over after the one o'clock news okay thanks david thanks thank liz you, okay bye. bye bye yes thank you liz okay uh to woodbury next and we say hello to matt hello matt hello mate um i just got a bit of a tip for that bloke that's got the crickets yes um, I had a lot of trouble with them a few years back, and I and I had them for a fair few years. And then I started spraying the, the lawn with uh, Yates' weed and feed, mm -hmm. and I it was always out the front. It was always there was no grass, nothing there. You know, once the crickets were finished with it, yes. So I started spraying with Yates' weed and feed, giving it a good douse, right. And there are no more crickets. Okay, so there must be something, of course, There's in that. There's poison in it. Yes. But it's for the grass. It yes. feeds the grass. Yes. And also, when he mows the lawn, don't, don't pick it up, mulch it. Oh, okay, yes, so it goes back down into the soil yes. again. Yes, that's right. And now there's a lush cover and a grass there. Never have any trouble with cricket. Also with roses. Yes. That lady talking about washing, washing... Yes, water. yes, yes. If you've got a bug on a rose, you, you pour it over the rose. Right. And within a fortnight, you'll have flowers. Okay, well, that's great. They're two great tips. Thank you very much, All Matt. Right. All right. You. Always love the tips coming through. Right, mate. All right, thank you. Bye-bye now. 
Yeah, that's something we've neglected to say um, about the program over yeah, the last few weeks. Yes. Any tips that you've got to share with uh, with the gardens of the Hunter, this is the place to do it. 49216216 is the number. And also, of course, anything you'd like to skite about. Yes, exactly. We're right. always open for a little bit of skiting and mm. a, little, a few success stories. Does does all the world of good in the gardening, gardening community. Uh, David, we've got uh, about a minute and a half before we need to go to the news. Um, I imagine mulching is is what we should all be doing. High at this priority, time of year. yes. Right. Um, any ideas on on what we should be using to mulch with? How yep, we should be mulching? Certainly. How deep, particularly? Yes. Is well, the thicker the better with mulch. I mean, right. one of the great mulches that um, we find is is being um, used now is sugarcane because we can buy sugarcane in fairly large bales, and of course, it will go that little bit of extra distance. So, mm-hmm. just a little trick with the using the sugarcane. If you've been past the nursery, you will notice that that's all on the front gardens again now because the um, the seedlings, the primula has been pulled out and the new lot of seedlings have been put in. For those people that need to know what I've put in, I've put in the red salvia again this year for ah, Christmas time. Right. So we put the mulch down first. This is a little trick with the mulch. And then you can just scratch a little hole in the mulch to plant a little seedling. It's so much easier doing it that way than, you know, putting in all your seedlings and then trying to put the sugar cane and around each. The seedlings. Yes. Oh, yes. So this is a good little way of uh, planting your seedlings. Put the mulch down first. Scratch a little hole in the mulch and plant your seedling down and that way the mulch actually protects the little seedling as well so yeah. you should be starting to see all those salvias springing up to life very very soon grass wise certainly i mean certainly keep the moisture up to the grass i know that it's very very difficult this day and age to try and do that where the, the cost of water but certainly a good thorough watering at least once a week is really beneficial for the grass and secondly of course if you're wanting to help retain the moisture and not use as much us use the um, saturate. Yes, now's a good time to give us a call if you'd like to get in on this last segment of Gardening Talkback here on 2NURFM 103.7. 49216216 is the number, and now's a very good time to give us a call, David. We ought to get onto your uh, problem straight away. But first of all, David, we need to um, talk about fruit flies. We do, we do, Mm. because it's that time of the year when, of course, um, the fruit flies are looming because, I mean, we've had fairly mild conditions, so I'm sure they will be out and about. I just thought I'd go through the fruit fly trap or bait first of all because this is very very important because remembering this bait is only a bait it's not actually a killer uh, of all the fruit flies it only attracts the male fruit flies but at least it's an indicator uh, of when we've got the fruit fly around where we can then go on to other products now there are quite a few other products that we can use to spray to get rid of fruit flies but it's just a matter of going into your local nursery and inquiring what those products are but this one is as I said it's just a homemade uh, fruit fly bait and basically it consists of two litres of water, a half a cup of sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla essence and two teaspoons of cloudy ammonia. Now I'll go through that once again for you. It's two litres of water, half a cup of sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla essence and two teaspoons or tablespoons I should say of cloudy ammonia. Now you just give this all a good shake up then you just get your uh, bait, your, your trap. You may have just one that you've made up yourself, a good home-made one. But I, I just basically suggest just a drink bottle that you cut the third off the top and then you invert that funnel back into the bottle. 
and then you put your product inside this bottle and hang it in a tree somewhere. Now you don't have to need you don't need a bait for every single tree that you've got. It's probably just a, one. If you've got a few trees, you'll just need to hang one of these in so that you can see that the fruit fly is in the bottle. Now just make sure you replace this every couple of weeks. This mixture uh, to keep it nice and fresh. Now the other one is, of course, yes, the pineapple juice recipe, which I seem to get lots and lots of response from every year. Now this was given to me many many years ago by one of our listeners and of course it's been proven to be a very good uh, fruit fly control this time so this does actually keep the fruit fly away and it's basically just golden circle pineapple juice and yes you have to have golden circle pineapple juice I'm not getting paid to say that but certainly it's the thickest out of all the golden circle uh, go all out of the pineapple juices and you just basically mix 60% of your pineapple juice to 40% of water and then you can spray this directly onto the fruit you're wanting to try and keep without the fruit fly getting into. Basically what it is, it actually just covers the fruit. It's very sticky, so sometimes they don't like landing on it. And of course, it's a little bit acidic, so they don't like landing on this uh, acidic sort of uh, mixture. So the only time to replace this is, of course, when if it rains or you have water and you just need to replace the product just by spraying it on again. So that's a very simple uh, procedure. Environmentally friendly, of course. Uh, so it's one well worth trying, particularly on things like tomatoes. So they're just the two, two fruit fly controls that I've got for you today. So we'll be vigilant and we'll, um, we'll have our, our stuff ready to go. Yes. As soon as we see the first fruit fly in that that's trap. That's in the trap. That's exactly yeah. right, Phil. Okie doke. Uh, let's go back to the calls. Okay. And uh, we'll say hello first up to Kate from Lambton. Hello, Kate. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, I'll be quick. I have two echium um, shrubs, mm. and for the last couple of years, they did not flower, and I wasn't too happy. Uh, this year, both of them have flowered uh, very well, actually, but they don't last very long. Mm. Um, they've now lost their colour, and the bees have departed. Mm. Is this a good time to take cuttings or do anything with them? It is, yes. It's a good time to actually cut the old flower heads off. And then you can actually take some cuttings from them if you're going to be very, very um, game and try and grow them from the cuttings. Oh, I've tried about six times and got two successes. (laughs) That's what I mean. They're not the easiest things to grow. Uh, So, yes, it would be a great time to take some cuttings as well and see if you can uh, try your luck at that. Now, look, I'm just going to tell you why they're flowers so well this year and it's because uh, previous years you can remember last year we had lots and lots of rain uh, during our summer period whereas this year of course it's been so dry and that's exactly what they like they love it nice and dry and that's why they've they've um, produced these wonderful show of flowers this year oh they're beautiful yes and everybody wants a cutting yes i know they do yes <laughs> Yeah. Um, do I feed them or anything? Because I think once before you said don't feed no, them. No, I, I, I wouldn't feed them because, I mean, they're, they're just so temperamental. They curl up their toes overnight if they don't like the fertiliser or they don't like the position or they get too wet. So that's why they're, they're so temperamental. A little bit like a Daphne. You could probably put them to the same category as a Daphne. But, but yeah, I would be very careful. If, look, if they look fine, they're growing well, I would just leave them right alone. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you, Kate. Um, our next call is from Brankston, and it's Terry. Hello, Terry. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. I, I just was wanting to know how to get rid of bamboo out of my backyard. Mm-hmm. It used to, used to be a, a septic area there, and now uh, we've got sewage through there, and the bamboo's sort of growing all the time, and I've tried Roundup, but 
laughs at it sometimes. Okay. Well, look, the only the only way you need to treat it, particularly if you're not going to dig it out, is just by cutting it down. And as soon as you cut it down, you just leave a little small stem on the very base and you paint over that stem with either your glyphosate or your zero roundup so that it goes into this open cut and that actually gets drawn down into the root system. Now look Terry, it's not a one-off thing unfortunately. You'll probably find you'll need to do several cuts. Uh, that's why you leave a reasonable little bit of stem on the very base because each time you cut that off you actually dab a little bit more of your zero onto that stem as well. Now look, there is a product that's called Treen Blackberry Killer which is very, very powerful, uh, but you've got to be extra careful with that. It's another product that you can paint over the stems as well. It's just a little more stronger. But the only thing is the difference between the two is the Zero doesn't last in the soil, whereas the Tree and Blackberry Killer will actually kill the ground as well if it goes down into the root system. So if you're not having success with the... Um, the zero, you might be best to try the tree and blackberry, but just keeping in mind, it will actually go down into the soil and kill the ground at the same time. Right, yeah, then that's great. All right. Something to try. Okay. Thank then. you very much. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Terry. To West Wall's End now, where Leanne's waiting to talk to you, David. Hello, Leanne. Hello, fellas. How are you? Good. We're good. Thank you. That's good. Look, I'm ringing about, um, I have a, a conifer. I don't know what exact, exact variety it is, but it's at my rental property at Charlestown. And it's a, it's a very tall, thin one. Mm-hmm. Not very, very thin, but a thinner one. And it's come out of the, the soil and it's, it's tipped, tipped over to one side, exposing some of the root ball. Um, and we've been trying to get it to stay back in the soil. Is there any hints as to why it's happened or what I should do, anything else I should Mm -hmm. do with it? Okay, well, the only reason that you'll find that things will actually start to come out of the soil is if the soil may be a little bit on the shallow side and the root system has taken up all that um, soil area underneath. So perhaps there may be a plateau or something there of clay and -hmm. it's just pushing itself up out of the ground because it can't get down into the clay. Well, that makes sense because it is up against a brick wall. All right, okay. So the only thing to do is to try and uh, straighten it up and that's Mm -hmm. just by tying it and just gradually pulling it up. So you don't do it all at once because you can sometimes snap the root system down underneath. So you've got to gradually try and uh, move it so that it's upright fully so you once every couple of weeks you just pull it a little bit more to try and straighten it yes Um, if you can to try and cover this root system up that would be advisable as well because if it's exposed to the sun particularly when we get our harsh days it can sometimes scorch very very easily so you may like to just cover it up either with some mulch that would be fine to do that as well okay and just perhaps should I give it any sea salt or something like that? Sea salt wouldn't necessarily be advisable because it's mm-hmm. not actually you're not actually wanting to promote the root system anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you're wanting to actually try and just encourage the growth of it. So mm-hmm. a good complete fertilizer around it. But the most important thing is to try and get it upright mm-hmm. and to just cover the, this root system up. So should I wait to put the fertiliser on it or do it all at the same time the first time I... You you could do that all together. It's not going to be a problem uh, because the fertiliser will just start working on the plant for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, we don't want to lose it because there's another one on the other end of the wall. It does. They look really lovely. Yes, yes. um, So, yeah, thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye Bye-bye. 
Thank you very much, Leanne. 49216216 is our number on Gardening Talkback on 2 and URFM. 19 minutes past one, and on Gardening Talkback on 2 and URFM, it's time to get back to your calls, and we'll say hello to David from Nelson Bay. Hello, David. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good. Now, thank you for your show. It's most enjoyable thank and informative. You. Thank you. Um, just a quick question, David. Uh, living in Nelson Bay, I'm on a giant sand dune here, mm. <laughs> uh, wanting to plant some citrus lemon, lime and grapefruit. Could you recommend the best varieties for the sort of climate and, uh, and soil conditions? Well, look, certainly you'll get any citrus to grow up there quite successfully, but I think the most important thing is that you work on the ground prior to that. Because it's sand, I mean, you've got to really add a great deal of mulch to that or, or compost to that first of all. And uh, even after you've planted the citrus, it's still wise to, you know, still keep piling the compost on so that it works its way down into the soil. But look, certainly any of the citrus, as I said, will grow in that area look it's, it's great I mean the sandy loam is great to grow anything in it drains well and this is exactly what the citrus love but as I said the most important thing is just to try and keep the compost and the fertilizer up to things to keep them moving and of course most importantly the water in terms of the, uh, the um, prolific fruiting varieties, is mm -hmm. there something you would recommend? Yes, well, certainly in the lemons, I would suggest the Eureka lemon because it crops 12 months of the year. In an orange, I would certainly suggest the Washington navel because it fruits during the winter months. Uh, in the mandarin, I would have to go to the emperor. Uh, because it's one of the better ones. It uh, has a nice soft skin for peeling. So they're three main ones that I would suggest. What about limes? And limes, certainly in the limes. The Tahitian lime is the one to grow because it's just your normal lime. You only get a kaffir lime, but the kaffir lime is basically only used for its foliage. Right. Uh, so it's the Tahitian lime. Grapefruit? Grapefruit, certainly there are a number of those that are available, but the weenie always seems to be the most popular one. Sorry, how do you spell that? Weenie is spelled W-H-E-N-E, N-Y rather, um, but it's one that crops, with most grapefruit, they only crop once every two years because of the size of the fruit that you get on them, so they only crop once every two years successfully. Right. Okay. All well, right. Thank you so much for your advice. That's okay. Thanks, Bye. David. Bye-bye now. Yes, thank you, David. And uh, let's go to Western now and say hello to Shirley. Hello, Shirley. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, just a quick question. The fruit fly thing you know, with the pineapple juice, yes. you say to put it on the tomatoes. Yes. Can you put it on anything else? You can, you can. It can be used just as a fruit fly spray. I mean, certainly I know for a fact that we would have had the caller about, I, I can't remember where she was from now, that had the, um, she had tried the fruit fly spray and she uses it on her other fruit trees as well. Uh, it is it great. I mean, certainly when you're spraying it on other fruit trees, just try and concentrate on the fruit rather than spraying it onto the foliage as well because it's the fruit you're wanting to protect. But it's just that I've had people use it on tomatoes. They've found it very, very successful, so they use it every year. I was thinking more on strawberries. Strawberries, I've never had that question asked. Um, I don't know that fruit fly would get into the strawberries, so that's probably why I wouldn't have suggested okay. it. Oh, we're getting some sort of insect into them. You will get some sort of insect into strawberries, not necessarily fruit fly, because fruit fly actually form grubs or maggots within yes, the fruit. Yes. So normally we don't get this in strawberries. Certainly just with strawberries, I'd be just spraying them with just a general insecticide to keep the majority of the insects away. Okay, then. All right. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shirley. Um, Jill from East Maitland's next on the line. Hello, Jill. Oh, hello, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. I heard you talking last week about um, a kiwi plant. Yes. Um, my neighbour has given me one, and um, she has got one, but there's a laneway between the two houses. Do you think our boy and girl would be close enough? <laughs> <laughs> well, normally with the kiwi fruits, the actual plants have to be intertwined into one another okay. to actually successfully get fruit. And that's what I've always been taught, that with the kiwis, they must actually intertwine so that the bees will pollinate fairly easily. So I have to buy another one. How do you know which is male and which is female? Oh, until it flowers, you'll never know which oh. is male and which is female because the foliage on both the plants look exactly the same. Mm. So it's only going to be the flower that you're going to be able to identify whether it's a male or a female. So what's, what, how do you identify the flower? Uh, you'd probably be best once it does flower to either take a picture of it and take it into your local garden centre so they could tell you whether it would be male or female. I see. Okay, mm. so I'll have to plant another one then. Yes. Okay, Doug, thanks for that. You're welcome, Jill. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jill. Or maybe Jill could build a trellis across yeah, the laneway right. and, and they could that. meet in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Very romantic, <laughs> isn't it, really? That? Yes. Yeah. Just speaking of pollination, um, oh, and our number is 49216216 if you're waiting to get through. Um, there was uh, a lovely series started on um, ABC last night, David Attenborough, looking at, um, yes. at plants uh, yes. and all based in uh, the Royal Botanic Gardens yes. at Kew. And, uh, and he was talking a lot about the various mechanisms that plants use for pollination mm. last night. And, and, Isn't it oh, fascinating? Just fascinating stuff and, uh, and beautiful photography mm. and everything as well. What uh, an incredible uh, man and yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I try not to miss any of those because every single uh, episode is fascinating to to some degree. That's so. right. And what a life the man's oh, had, too. Oh, my goodness, uh, yes. Okay. Um, that's um, half past seven <laughs> Sunday nights on ABC TV. Uh, ABC One, I think it is. Charles from Talara is on the line now, David. Hello, Charles. Good afternoon, David and Phil. Um, David, I'm moving house. You're probably going to tell me no go with all the things <laughs> <laughs> Things I hope to move, none of them greatly established, um, sort of nothing over two foot high, but roses. Yes, you could move them, but it's not the right time to do that. Of course, no. wintertime is the much more successful time. But if you've got to do them, Charles, you may have to, may have to prune them back really, really severely, yep. uh, just like you would do in June, so they're going to start out again fresh. Right. Camellias? Camellias are great. They can be moved very successfully. I mean, it's actually a great time to be moving them. Uh, try, and get, try and get as much soil as you possibly can with them. But what I would suggest is that you cut about a third of the growth off and that'll compensate for what you damage in the root system. Right. Azaleas. Azaleas are another one which you can move successfully. So therefore, and it's a great time to thinking about it. I mean, normally we suggest with azaleas after they finish blooming to move them, but it, yeah. depending on when you are moving, uh, you could move those quite successfully because they've only got a fairly shallow root system. Yeah, they're just finishing flowering yep. now. No, so. well, that's a great time <coughs> to think about okay. it, Charles. Uh, bearded iris. Bearded iris, look, certainly we suggest in spring and late summer to dig them and divide them. So once again, you could dig your clumps up, cut most of the foliage off, so you're just starting off with a small uh, tuber and um, foliage again. So now right. a great time to do that. So we're okay. doing well so far. <laughs> Better than I thought. Um, 
and November lilies, which are just coming into mm. flower. They will be difficult because, uh, I mean, we, of course, have to wait for all of our bulbs to die back down into the bulb to regain all the energy back in the bulb again. All right, so they're worth a try. Yeah, worth a try, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you've done too badly out of that list. All right, that's terrific. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Charles. Thank good you. luck with Bye. your move. Bye-bye thank now. Thank you. Bye. Yes, thank you, Charles. Certainly good luck with that. Um, Kay from Toronto is our last caller for today. David? Hello, Kay. No, hi, David. I do love your show. It's most interesting. Thank you. Uh, a couple of questions. First of all, I live in an area where there's a lot of um, uh, dead leaves, you know, eucalyptus leaves right, fall yes. off the trees mm. and so forth. Is there any reason that I can't use that for mulch? Well, I mean, look, certainly, I mean, eucalyptus can be used as a mulch on the garden. The only thing is, that, of course, it does have eucalyptus in it, and sometimes this will affect some things. But certainly when they're, when they're broken right down, I mean, look, they're used as mulch every day of the year. When they're planted in the bush, they just mulch Ooh. down into the ground. So there should be no reason why you can't use those on the garden. But except, as I said, initially, they will contain a fair amount of eucalypt. And sometimes with this eucalypt, it keeps often insects away. So in actual fact, they'll um, be very, very good for the garden. Does it have any effect on snails? Uh, I don't think so, but of course there's always uh, a way of trialling it to see whether they will keep them away. So. Yeah. so there's nothing I should do to sort of maybe help break it down a little Not beforehand? At all. Not at all, because they'll break down eventually themselves. Okay, right. Um, now my other question was um, manure. Mm-hmm. I've recently got some sheep manure Ooh. and I'm told by other people that yes. it's, it's preferable to any other kind. Yes. Is that correct? It is. I used to use sheep manure all the time uh, and it's a great little manure. It's a bit like um, our processed pelleted manures. It's already in little parcels for you, so you've only <laughs> got to just throw it on the ground. And, I mean, it, it's even better when it's nice and dry because it's not horrible. Uh, oh. I was nearly going to use another word then, but I thought I'd best not. <laughs> um, so it's nice and dry, so you just throw it around. The only thing is I found with sheep manure is it does take a little while to break down, So and it requires the more to break down so therefore if you're watering the garden fairly constantly it will break down a lot easier but when it's really dry it does take a while to break down but no certainly I used to use that all the time on the gardens and, and found it to be very very good. Now I've also got a, um, a spare bag that I've had for ages of horse manure mm-hmm. now there's no reason why I can't mix those two together. And Not at all because it's great because I mean horse manure doesn't contain a lot of elements that are beneficial for the garden but it's a great mulch it's a good moisture retainer so no certainly go ahead and use all of that wonderful stuff on your garden and I don't need to dig it in I just you throw can. it on the top. You just throw it on the top yes. Okay and then put the leaves over the top. That's right yes okay, well done. Good. Thank you. You're welcome, Now, Kay. just one more question yes. before you go. <laughs> yes. I've always believed that loosen mulch was the most, uh, well, the best mulch that you could use because mm-hmm. of the depth of the roots of the loosen and all the extra nutrients. Yep. Rah, rah, rah. Um, but it's very hard to find. It is. And it's very expensive. That's exactly why it's very hard to find because most of us nursery people don't like carrying it because of the expense where we, um, of course, sell more of our sugar cane than anything else. 
Well, that was the other thing. What's the advantage of sugarcane over the pea straw? Oh, okay, because pea straw is another one that you don't often see. Uh, sugarcane probably once again priced because, I mean, and it will cover a much bigger area than pea straw. It looks probably a little bit better than pea straw. Admittingly, I've never used pea straw, but, um, yes, yeah, sugarcane, I think, is the way to go. So it's quite rich in nutrients? It, I wouldn't say nutrients, um, but it's just good as far as coverage goes. Okay. Pea straw, the only other thing you've got to worry about there is sometimes you'll get peas actually coming up in the garden. Oh, okay. Just like years and years ago, I remember the old um, uh, oh, rice hulse that we used to use for <laughs> right. mixing into potting mixture. And my goodness, you would see after a few weeks all in these pots that you'd potted up, all this rice coming up in the, in the pot. So it was a constant job for a weeder to actually constantly go through and weed areas because yeah. of the rice hulse. But you don't see that much these days. So. Right. But okay. no, sugarcane overall is probably by far, uh, economically wise, better to use. Okay, then. All right, well, thank you very much. Pleasure. I'll um, get out there and start scattering some leaves around. Good on you, Kay. <laughs> thank okay, you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, everybody who rang up and was part of today's program. And uh, David, apparently um, Patrice from Cessnock is the lady we have to thank for the pineapple juice recipe. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. I can remember. Yes, and that's yeah. quite a few years ago. So think of um, if Patrice went into producing this ultra new, this ultra product of Golden Circle pineapple juice. How wealthy she would be now, but she would probably want to, wouldn't want to hear that. And yeah, she she, she once she becomes sort of rich and famous yes. she might not ring us anymore That's right. so yeah thank you very much Patrice. yes thank you my tomatoes thank you too. <laughs> okay david you've got to choose somebody from amongst our list of callers to be the recipient of these wonderful things while your brain's working on that tell us what um, okay. what you're giving away or it consists of this beautiful little ground cover plant called verbena and this is the really brilliant red one or it's called actually red velvet so it looks great in a nice sunny position out in the garden as well as that a backyard harvest pack which consists of the potting mixture the seed the container to grow it in and also the cultural notes as well as a box of the tomato soluble plant food and i'm going to give it to kate of lambton today like kate rang us about the echium plants yes so kate or all you really need to do is just to make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. That's, of course, on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away. Sounds good, David. We'll look forward to seeing you next Monday. Thank you, Phil. I'll see you then and good gardening, everyone.